You're listening to a special edition of the Action Figure Blues podcast brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. This is the AFB Q&A with Ben Fish Milkshake Mulder. Welcome, everyone. This is not episode six of the Action Figure Blues podcast. This is episode one of our spin-off, the AFB Q&A. And tonight, I am doing the interviewing, and my interviewee is someone that you know well, and that, of course, is our friend Ben. Hello, Ben. Hello, hello. How's it feeling being the guest tonight instead of the host? Uh, more like a guinea pig, I think. <laughs> well, that, yeah, Ben is being a guinea pig for us. The idea for this special edition podcast, which I was so tempted to call a very special episode of AFB, um, actually came from some listener feedback that we received from our first episode, which gave us the idea that you'd like to know a little bit more about us, each of the hosts of the AFB podcast, in terms of what our interests are, our collections, and the story behind them. We shared a little bit of that in our first episode, and the feedback that we had from you was that you wanted to hear more. We have a lot to cover in the normal AFB podcast episodes, and so we're going to be taking turns sitting in the interview chair and bearing our collecting souls to you in the AFB Q&A. And when we're all done with that, then hopefully we'll be able to tweak this format slightly and use it to introduce other collectors to you, um, and perhaps even chat with some professionals in the toy industry. But tonight, as Ben said, he is going to be our first guinea pig and uh ben's going to be our first afb q a guest so ben i do appreciate you having a go at this how are you this evening good actually yeah i think this should be fun it should be fun um ben and i have the advantage of um having known each other in real life before we had a online association i don't know how to say that without it sounding creepy <laughs> um so you know we th- we thought we'd be good people to uh to start with and having a go at this tonight so ben you and i have a bit of a interesting history because we met in a um you know a slightly unusual way and that is through ebay Yes, indeed. E- eBay brought us together. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I had just moved um, to Canberra, where you live, and I no longer live, and uh, had no, some. It's not related, of course. No, not not not, not related at all. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore what you read in the papers, people. Um, and uh, I had some stuff to sell, and I was just kind of building my collection, um, but was selling things at the same time. And I got a email from someone. You know, saying, "Hey, I live locally, um, and if I win these auctions, can I come and pick it up?" and and uh, that was the beginning of us getting to know each other, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think um, just thinking back to where I was living at the time and where you were living at the time, I think as the crow flies, we probably lived about three miles away from each yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it truly a small world. And th- I think you know, we you bought a few things from me while we were living there and then we met again a bit later um once we'd we'd bought a place and we were living in our own place and uh i had a very sad ebay sale um where i put my uh marvel legends young avengers box set mint in the box up on (laughs) ebay and just did not get a great price for it and here comes this guy again (laughs) Yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah and, but the thing I remember about you, and this is kind of before we knew each other through AFB or worked out that we went to the same, you know, comic shop, was that you, you know you you knew that you'd gotten it for a steal, and you came in so apologetic about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was you know really, you know, I mean, I, I was totally philosophical about it because that's life, that's eBay. But you know, you kind of came in and you know said, "Oh, I almost feel bad taking this from you for this yeah. price." <laughs> Yeah, and I think that was actually the first time uh, I saw your collection because you had it in your display yeah. room. And at the time, you had before you got your display cases, you had these shelves that just lined the walls, and you had all your DCD um, figures on on display. And I can remember leaving your place and, and talking to you know our, our friend Nick, yeah. a, aka Tyrock, and going, you know, 
dude, you should have seen this guy's collection. He had like figures everywhere. <laughs> and and Nick was like, really? Like, you know, did he have this figure? I said, yeah, he did. And did he have this figure? And I said, yeah, he did. And because Nick, you know, has a lot of DCD figures. He yes. was quite a voracious sort of collector. And he's like, oh, you know, has he got this one? Because it's really hard to get. And I said, dude, he had everything. <laughs> and, uh, and it actually wasn't till probably um, – I think February 2009, and um, it was just before I, I, I went to the US. I went to WonderCon, and I remember Nick saying, hey, you know, this guy at the, the comic shop has started a, a forum, um, you know, a, a chat room type thing to go and sort of chat about toys and stuff like that, and I think you might know him, and, yeah, I think the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah, it's Indeed. A, a small world, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Well, to kick these Q&As off, we've come up with a set of 10 quickfire questions that'll give us an opportunity to start to get to know our subject or our guest a little bit more, and we're calling it the Toy Box 10. Okay, Ben, you are the first victim of the Toy Box 10. Here we go. Number one, your first toy of any type that you remember having. Uh, it was probably one of those battery-operated tin cars. Oh, your favourite toy as a child? The, oh, the, probably the Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker Star Wars figure. Excellent. Your favourite pop culture character? Uh, anyone that knows me knows it alternates between Cap and Thor. Your biggest pop culture celebrity crush, besides me, of course. Oh, well, a, a close second, oh, geez, definitely has to be Aaron Gray as Colonel Wilma Deering from the Buck Rogers in the 25th Century TV show. Yeah, okay. She's a fitting second place to me. Very good. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, definitely Star Wars. Yeah, one word, lightsabers. <laughs> Your holy grail item, uh, if it's not a comic book, because I'm a, quite a comic collector, it, oh gosh, um, probably the Sideshow Premium Format Captain America. Oh, that's a good one. Your favourite pop culture related movie? Ooh, oh, choices. I'm going to go with the first Hellboy film. I thought that was pretty much perfect. Okay. Are you out as a collector? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I have comic crap all over the place, at home, at work, the T-shirts, the whole thing. <laughs> I think the only thing I don't have is like a Batman symbol on the back of my car. <laughs> and you're pretty hard to miss. <laughs> okay, your favourite Ninja Turtle? Uh, uh, Donatello. And what's your dream toy line that's yet to be made? Oh, God, so many choices. Uh, I would be an absolute sucker for a six-inch Star Wars line. Outstanding. You made it. That's the Toy Box 10. Okay, Ben, well, now that you've survived the Toy Box 10, we're going to Go in a barely. Little, barely. <laughs> We're going to go in a little bit more depth and start to to get to know you as a collector a little bit, and and I guess you know just to give people who don't know you a, a bit of you know big picture, you know who, who's Ben and where did where does uh, collecting fit in your life? Where did it kind of begin for you? Gosh, well, where do I start? Uh, starting way back. Um, I've I've always had comic books for as long as I can remember. Been a comic book collector since the age of about four, when my father taught me to read. Uh, I believe that toys and statues just became an extension of that, having and owning sort of representations of your favourite characters. Uh, I love the idea of universe building and that sort of thing. So um, I've always just had, I guess, what you would call pop culture stuff, whether it be comics or toys or otherwise. Hmm. You're pretty much of the same generation as me. What are the the big 
influences on you from your childhood in terms of, you know, properties, films, movies, you know, cartoons that, that still influence what you collect today? I'm a big fan of action films. Uh, I, I mean, I watch just about any kind of film, but I have fond memories of seeing movies like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark is actually my favourite film of all time. Oh, well, I, I did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, one of those films I just can watch just over and over again. I think it for me it's just that perfect film. Um, and so I was always a big fan of similar kinds of TV shows, starting with things like Battlestar Galactica, the, the follow-up Glenn Larson show uh, of Buck, Buck Rogers, Knight Rider, all those kinds of things, and to the later shows like V, uh, obviously uh. the various, <laughs> various <laughs> incarnations of Star Trek. Uh, as well, and uh, yeah, and I've always just really loved that, I guess, that fantasy element. Not necessarily sci-fi, it doesn't have to be um, sci-fi related, I like fantasy just as much. Mm. It was an exciting time to grow up, I think, because it was a time before all the stories were told. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what we see now is all just kind of different versions of the same tropes, really. Um, But just, you know, when you mentioned V, for example, that was pretty seminal um, for, I think, a lot of people of our generation because it was just kind of something different and, you know, shocking at the time and different for television. um, And, yeah, great memory. Yeah, I used to watch just about anything that I I could um, tune into, uh, whether it be um, The Twilight Zone, shows like that. I used to sit up late at night and watch that. Uh, I used to find it very peculiar that they used to jump around from the classic Twilight Zone to the the remake show. My my sort of young brain couldn't put it together. (laughs) These were made in different decades, so sometimes you'd see the really early ones in black and white, and then you'd see a a much later one. The same, I guess, applied for um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents as well. Um, but all those sorts of shows, I just, I love them. So where do you see that your collection kind of, you know, took its turn from the toys that a kid has into the kind of collection that an adult has? So I'm trying to avoid saying, you know, when you started collecting adult toys or adult <laughs> collection, but, you know, y- you get the drift. Where, where's the, the piece or the moment that kind of, you know, crossed that line? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, when I collected toys, I was certainly never a completist. Uh, as toys picked up in the the early '90s, uh, into the mid late '90s with McFarlane, I used to pick up bits and pieces as they took my fancy, such as the movie Maniacs, etc. But I think the moment things turned are when I first discovered the high end statues. Um, I can't remember what my first statue was, but I do know that one of my very, very early statues was actually the Randy Bowen Hellboy statue, uh, and that came out in 1998, I think it was. Okay. So, yeah, and it's actually still a favourite to this day. It's a, it's a large statue. It's got the biggest base I've ever seen on a statue um, ever. It's just enormous. And at that time, the Australian dollar was pretty much in the toilet compared to the American dollar. It was about 54 cents or something like that. And so that statue cost me a lot of money. I was at uni at the time, so money was a bit tight. I, I had sort of numerous part-time jobs, washing dishes, working as a bouncer, that kind of thing. And so that acquisition was was huge, and it wasn't just a, a throwaway character either. Hellboy really sort of captured my imagination, and when I saw the statue, I thought, I've just got to have that. Hmm. And I guess paying that much for a statue, you've really crossed over a line. <laughs> now, you mentioned that um, your dad taught you to read using comics. Yeah. And you, you lost your dad at a, a pretty young age. I did, yeah, yeah. I was 15. So what, what sort of influence do you think that that, that you know, has had on the attachment that you still have to, to, to these properties and the things that you shared with him? Um, yeah, my dad was a very intelligent man. I can remember using, or my dad using those little index cards from day dot, and eventually we moved on to comic books. And I just took to them, uh, well, I don't want to say like a, a fish to water kind of thing. Uh, I just, I, I loved it. I loved the imagery. My father used to just bring home all sorts of stuff. Um, I can remember reading sort of various Walt Disney titles with him. Um, we certainly didn't have any kind of 
standing order. I think he used to just pick them up from secondhand stores and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I can even remember him bringing home the uh, the Warren um, Eerie, the horror magazine. So wow. and my mother going, don't you think that's a little inappropriate? And <laughs> my dad would actually go through each story to how graphic it was. <laughs> so... Um, and so, yeah, my dad was always big on, on education in general, and um, I, I, through that, actually became a very good reader. I was one of those kids who, when I was asked to sort of read aloud uh, from a passage from a book during class, I could actually read very quickly and, and very sort of fluently compared to some of the other kids. And um, I don't read as much as I used to, simply because I read so many comic books. I don't get uh, as much time to read novels as, as such, but... Um, yeah, it's just something that's always stuck with me. I've always enjoyed reading and I've read comic books nonstop for about 35 years, I think. Mm. I, I remember that you said um, before that, you know, you never you never stopped reading. You know, a lot of people, you know, my story, uh, I stopped reading comics for, for a long time and that you have really kept going from that point. So, you know, when... From that time when you were on your own with your mum, was she supportive of you in in the hobby? What what kind of awareness did she have of your interest in it? Um, it's interesting. That the I mean, that's something we'll probably get into uh, a bit more detail in in sort of future podcasts. Um, I guess how your family remember family members react. Yeah, yeah. To the collections, which you know, that's an episode in itself. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, look. <laughs> My mother and I are very close simply because I don't have any other siblings. Uh, it was just the two of us, and the rest of our relatives are many, many sort of hundreds of kilometres slash miles away. And I think my mother was just one of those people who, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, quite often when it came to things like birthdays, I can just remember my mother driving me to the comic shop and saying, you know, you know, happy birthday, grab whatever you like sort of thing, and, and you just can't get uh, better than that. No. <laughs> I want your mum. <laughs> <laughs> On the good days, anyway. Yeah, for sure. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, so now that you've got a you know, an, an adult family and, and friends around you, do, do you still experience that sort of support in having such a particular interest? Yeah, uh, my wife Jo is uh, is a saint, to put it mildly. Um, she is a compassionate person, anyway. But she has really sort of embraced my hobby. Not not in the sense that she actually reads the comics. Um, she doesn't. But you know, she's similar to my mum in that if it makes you happy, that's great. And I think the the comment she mainly says when people you know inquire about, gosh, you know, what do you think about him collecting all this stuff? Is um, she says, so long as it's healthy, I'm happy. So. That that's really good, and um, you know she's a little bit concerned about the amount of space things take up. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, look, I've, I've as I said, I've been reading comics a long time, so I have an awful lot of comics, and so they take up an awful lot of space. Uh, so I, I can be fairly limited in what I display. And uh, but no, look, it's fantastic. I'm very lucky that quite a few of my friends are actually into comics and related stuff as well. Hmm. Um, so I actually had the, the the great opportunity to travel with some of them to San Diego last year, and, and that was a dream come true. Hmm. Now, now part of your history as well is that you have spent time working in a comic store. So how how has that influenced your take on the hobby today but both comics and also uh, you know with your toy collection yeah working in the comic shop was was interesting uh i say that because on some days it was fun and on other days it was just bizarre infuriating horrible you know any any other adjective you could choose to to use um i i my current local comic shop is also the one i worked at so i've actually been associated with them since about 1989 and uh, i did work there for about six years um i started there before i went to uni and once i graduated uni uh, i stopped working there so i've still got a great relationship with um with Dee, the lady that owns it and her husband Stuart. but yeah working in a comic shop is everything you'd imagine it to be um the the 
different types of people you get in. You you do get your stereotypical geeks, the ones who want to tell you about every villain that Superman has ever faced, and <laughs> you, you know can often become like a bartender because you do get regular people coming in, those same people who come in each week to check their standing order, and uh, they can regale you with all sorts of stories. But then you know you get some people who you would never think would collect comic books. We had one guy who used to come in, and he was just a, the sharpest looking guy. Was always in a nice suit and i you know over time got chatting to him and eventually i just threw it open and asked him what he did for a living and he was actually um a drug detective a policeman who was on the drug squad and i just thought good grief (laughs) that was the last thing i imagined this fellow (laughs) doing uh yeah so that time working in the shop what influence do you think that that's had on your you know, toy and statue collection or the, your, the way that you approach it? Well, one thing I can tell you is a staff discount can be a dangerous thing. <laughs> um, it honestly does. Dee used to look after me very well, and it really did give me the opportunity to read a lot more comics than what I probably would normally have read, uh, definitely. And I, I guess the other thing is you, you often get exposed to a lot more uh, material, and when I say that, you unpack the shipment each week, so you get to see every item that comes mm. into the store, and mm. um, you get to see all the trade paperbacks as you unpack them and put them on the shelves. And so, certain things catch your attention. You also get to talk to some really interesting people. I can remember one guy who was uh, quite a back issue collector, and I got chatting to him about some of the, the sort of classic issues, and he said, oh, you know, you've never seen a Fantastic Four number one, and I said, oh, I've seen pictures of them, but I certainly have never held one, and sure enough, the following week, he came in, and he had this, this sort of large folder under his arm, and I didn't really put two and two together, but once the shop was quiet, he came over and said, oh, I thought you might like to see these, and wow. he basically had like not only every Marvel number one issue, but he had uh, some of the timely Captain Americas and some of those great sort of Alex Schomburg covers of um, you know the Invaders and things like that. And it was yeah. uh, it was just amazing. And he's like, oh no, take them out, take them out here. You know, he's taking them out of the Mylar and handing me these these sort of fifty year old comics as they were at the time. And and yeah, that's the sort of stuff you just don't get exposed to. And that actually created a a, a real interest in older comics. Like I've I've certainly got an interest in the history of comics. I, mm. I often pick up a lot of those books that come out where, um, like you know, authors like Jared Jones will, will write a book about you know a history of a certain period of comics or something like that. And I do pick those up to have a read because I find them quite fascinating. Hmm. I think when you think about those um, you know older comics, particularly in that time, you, when when we were first collecting, if you didn't own old comics then you couldn't read them or know what they look like you know it's not like now where if i want to know what the cover to an old you know comic that i can never own looks like i can get on the internet and see a picture or a scan of it so you know the, those old comics have a, a a different meaning i think to people of our you know collecting generation than they might to to people who are just collecting now in the digital age yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly. I mean, I was ordering comic books uh, off um, through CBG, actually, the Comics Buyer's Guide, long mm. before there was any kind of internet trade. Mm. Uh, um, I mean, I can remember ringing up dealers and you know, just dialing these American numbers and, and having this guy <laughs> go, just freaking out, going, there's a guy from Australia on the phone, and can you get those Neil Adams Batmans? He wants to know about them. And <laughs> so, so the Comic Buyer's Guide... Um, the kind of newsprint edition that was published in Australia as well? Uh, no, it was imported by my comic shop. Okay. And it uh, cost me a fortune, but it, back then it was actually a really good read. Oh, uh, I, I had a subscription, you know, all through my kind of, you know, early school and, and teenage years. And it was, yeah. the, you know, with with no internet, et cetera, it was the only source of news and you know, access to back issues, etc. So it's interesting to know that you were reading it over here as well. Yeah. Do you remember when it was like a, a, a giant newspaper and it was folded in half? Oh yeah. Yeah. I used yeah. to get that. Yeah. You know, I used to get that in the mail. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Wasn't oh, it? It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. and, and I, I picked up a lot of back issues back then just through that. I also picked up a lot of original art. Well, not a lot. Um, I don't own that many pieces, but uh, certainly I can remember you know, trading letters, letters, not emails, oh, yes. letters oh, yes. with um, artists like Bart Sears. And, 
So, yeah. So, so, you know, when you think about that kind of interaction with the fan community, where does that begin for you? It begins, obviously, before the the internet. You know, what, what are your first kind of memories of how you interacted with other comic book fans? I... I've always been around comic book stores. Uh, I was lucky enough when I was sort of in my sort of late teens, there were three of them in the city that I lived that were all within close proximity. And so I'd often go and have a chat and I knew a lot of the regular um, staff at those shops. But uh, I didn't really interact online much. I, I used to interact with a few pros back in the day, exchange letters with guys like Joe Matarera and... and people like that. But um, as the internet fandom grew, um, I actually kind of drifted away a little bit. It didn't really interest me uh, a great deal. And, and most of the time, I used to get on like the DC message boards and, you know, it used to be just these ridiculous fights between people sitting there going, no, no, Hulk could beat, you know, Superman <laughs> because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, really? You, you guys actually spend time going backwards and forwards about this? Like, really? <laughs> it doesn't occur to you that it would be up to the writer who wins? <laughs> <laughs> And so, no, I never really got in. I used to just scan for for information, but um, to be honest, it wasn't until our friend um, Nick, a.k.a. Tyrock, uh, introduced me to Action Figure Blues that I really got back into it. Oh, there you go. So so what what is it that, you know, has made, I guess, you know, this current kind of form of message boards that you participate in something that, you know, appeals to you, that has meaning for you? Oh, well, it definitely has to be the obvious connection you have with, with other fans of the same thing, being able to talk about new releases with people who, who understand your enthusiasm or understand, well, uh, more often than not, my exasperation at, at something. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not unusual for me to complain about something. But um, And so it went from originally just having like-minded individuals to discuss things with, and then over time I started making some trades and uh, a few of our overseas pals helped me out and you just discover this fantastic community and uh, once you weed out the idiots there are some amazing people <laughs> willing to to help you out basically mm. uh, you know how does your uh, your wife or people around you um appreciate or understand that that kind of sense of community when when they're not involved in it it's interesting that I, I used to always refer to people on the, the message boards by their handles. Uh, I used to talk about you guys, you know, like Andy and FB and Night mm. Owl. Mm. Um, and it just goes to show how far things have come because I now refer to them as Scott and Andy and Justin and mm. Eli. And uh, and my wife knows who they are. She thinks it's it's fantastic that, that I do this sort of stuff. Um, you know, as I said, she is of the belief that as long as it's healthy, uh, go for it. I mean, some might say any amount of time I spend on AFB is unhealthy, but uh, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, in the eye of the beholder. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting. And, look, I really it, – it did come a full circle, um, you know, within the last uh, – I'd probably say sort of 12 months when – it got to the point where, um, you know, I remember attending your 40th birthday and it was fantastic. And that, That's in the future, by the way, haven't you? That is, not, not yeah. actually yeah. turning 40 yet. Which that's is right. Bit, yeah, I've come back in my time machine. Time to, yeah, yeah, okay, great. Was it, was it good? Do, do I it still was. look great? You do, yeah. You oh, do. Fantastic. Great. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, that's, that, that's true. It is. It does you know, say something about the, the relationships. And, yeah. It does. And, I mean, just recently uh, I, I had the opportunity to finally meet Andy, a.k.a. FB, uh, in the flesh when he, he actually came to my city and he stayed with us with his his, um, his wife. And, you know, that was just fantastic. And, you know, he's a, a guy I've been chatting to on the internet for three years and mm. the next thing we're sort of hanging out and I'm taking him to my local comic shop. Mm. Yeah, one, one thing that has struck me about those kind of real-life you know, interactions with people that, you know, obviously when we're chatting online, you've got that common interest and that's generally what you talk about. And one thing that's, you know, struck me when I have met people, um, from, from AFB, for instance, um, you know, that a lot of the conversation ends up not being about comic books and action figures. 
Yeah. It ends yep. up just being about life. You know, and I think that because at the end of the day, you know, we're people and we have got, you know, we've got more in common than, than we realize. And you, you know, you, I remember, um, meeting Eli for the first time and going out for dinner and we really spent the whole night talking about our families and our kids and, you know, didn't talk comics at all. And, you know, you and I have had those kind of, you know, conversations as well. And, um, it, it is a, it is quite a, a different, um, way of relating than what people who don't have those sort of experiences of being part of message board communities can appreciate, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting. I mean, the, the two stories that, that sort of come to mind are when uh, Andy was here and, and I fired up the barbecue and I was cooking dinner and, you know, we had this sort of lengthy discussion about, so, you know, what, what exactly is it that you do for a living? Like, I've got a rough idea from some of the comments you've made and <laughs> we spent hours talking about our respective work and what we think of it and, you know, what we, you know, love to do and do we love it and that sort of thing. But the other one that actually comes to mind is, um, you know, I'm probably getting quite personal here, but I remember going over to your place for dinner one night and you know we were going to talk about the forum and all these ideas we had for the forum and I think we ended up spending about five hours just talking you know the the full gamut of religion yeah, and uh, and it was just this it was this awesome conversation we just talked about all the you know the the beliefs and the whys and the why nots and and you know we got home and I got home and we barely even talked about the forum yep, that's true yeah it is, uh, yeah um yeah this isn't about me but I know you know my my um wife kind of responds in the same way that that kind of depth of um, interaction that you can get with people or just sometimes the way that people who you haven't met in person will go out of the way out of their way to help you you know with something with real for really no benefit of their own is um you know something that is it's, it's quite a different experience yeah absolutely so so getting back to the collecting thing you know what is it about collecting that makes you a better person Oh, that's deep. Wow. Um, I assuming that it does. Well, yeah. Maybe it I guess makes you a, a bit of that. I get a lot of enjoyment out of my collection. Uh, I get a lot of pleasure in looking at the items that I have. Um, I'm, I'm not a hoarder. I can often go a couple of years and then think, "Gosh, why did I buy that series?" And then I'll just sell it off on eBay. But um, you know, just having some of these great pieces and the attachment I have to the characters. Um, I guess I have my comic room set up. Uh, it's a room in the house that has all my comic books. It has um, several sort of bookcases full of statues and busts and figures and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy spending time in here. It's, it's also got a little desk where I do my custom figures. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that makes me happy. How long have you been customizing, and and what was the beginning of that for you? Oh, gee, how long have I been customizing? <laughs> I'd say about two and a half years, but um, don't don't be fooled into um, thinking that I can turn out as many figures as as someone like our friend Starman uh, Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I've barely even reached double figures with my customs, but uh, I was actually inspired. They're all bloody by... outstanding, though each one. So. <laughs> well. I think you could argue that, you know, if you spend enough time on a figure, it comes out pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I just saw some of the amazing stuff people were doing on AFB and through their links to places like the douche. And I just thought, gosh, that never actually occurred to me. I can actually make my own figures. But before that, you used to paint miniatures and that sort of thing, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. I've I've got a bit of a history with wargaming and painting Games Workshop figures, so I had all the paint. Yeah, so you're not kind of starting from zero in terms of how to go about it. No, no, I certainly had all all the stuff, you might say, and... So, yeah, I started making a list of all the figures that I wanted, and by then Marvel Legends had started to pretty much die out, so it was a case of filling in the gaps, but... Yeah, you're probably going to see a bit more of a turnout from me. Uh, at the time, I was sort of landscaping my yard, and I, I sort of <laughs> had these guilt attacks where I thought, I just can't spend 10 hours just sitting there customising a figure on the weekend. I have to get out there and do some paving instead. But now that that's all done, I'm, I'm really hoping to start cranking out a few more figures. But, um, look, I'm really pleased with the ones that I've done. Um, the, I think the feedback that I get from some of the members on, on AFB just sort of helps sort of spur me on and uh, you can get some really good feedback from those guys so um yeah i've got a few more on my list so that's excellent when you think about your collection 
if you had to pare it down to one, you know, one line, what one one set of of things, what would it be? What what what, what would stay? Ooh, oh wow! Now you're getting the the hard questions. Uh, if we're talking paraphernalia such as as statues and toys and that sort of thing, yes, I would probably at the moment keep the sideshow comicettes, the girls, Adam Hughes. Uh, I just think that was an absolutely stunning line, mm. and mm. I'm pleased with just about all of them. And it'd be tough. I mean, I, I certainly like the cover girls of the DC Universe, the also Adam Hughes inspired. Um, I've got quite a few Bowen statues. Um, I'll, I'll have those, don't worry. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's not too many that you haven't got, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, look- you, you've got some that I don't own. It's true. <laughs> Uh, my my Marvel Legends collection is is pretty big. Um, I went a bit berserk with some of the army builders. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could say that I have more than one Sentinel. Um, ben has all the Sentinels. If, you, if you've <laughs> been looking for them, Ben is the reason why you cannot find them because yeah. Ben has them all. I, I yes, my goal was to have them all. <laughs> my, my goal is to have everyone ever manufactured. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first time I ever saw your collection, I realized that's why I can't find a bloody sentinel. They're all here. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit silly. I think I've um, I think I've got about thirteen. God. So yeah, yeah a bit do you want silly. to do something horrible? This is going to make you cry. We're not like when I very first started collecting toys. Like collecting action figures at all. I had a couple of Marvel Legends that I got when I was really just going to focus on just a few characters. And so I got, you know, like Nightcrawler, etc. And do you know what I did with the Galactus piece of Nightcrawler? <laughs> I threw it away. Ah, nice. Very I, nice. Th- th- well, I guess that's before I was really a collector, right? You know, like, <laughs> I just, I think now about, about doing that with it and a couple of Sentinel pieces as well, I just think, what were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. before I knew. Yeah, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Mm. Do you have anything? You know, you said before you you know you, you you can get rid of things that you don't you know decide that you need. Have you ever kind of made a a biggish purchase that you've ended up regretting? Ooh, um, I. I have quite a few statues that I picked up when the Aussie dollar was pretty bad, so I paid a lot of money for them. And uh, in hindsight, they don't really fit in with anything else. Uh, they, mm. they stand on their own. I've got um, – I think it was made by – it might have even been Necker. I'm not sure, but I've got this large Judge Dredd statue, and it's it's actually a great statue. It's, it's very um, – Sort of Carlos Esquera, however you pronounce his name. It's uh, it's a great statue, but it's um, it's a really big scale, and he just doesn't fit in with anything. And he's kind of you know, if I had a, a miscellaneous cabinet, he'd probably go in there with some of my other miscellaneous statues. So in in hindsight, um, yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I've always been going to sell my Judge Dredd statue, but I actually broke his baton. And so I've got this sort of horrible guilt of selling a statue with a broken baton. I've actually fixed oh, it, and dear. you can barely you can barely tell that it's um, it was ever broken. But I just don't think I could uh, I could do that. Yeah, I understand that. So you mentioned before that Cap and and Thor are your your kind of go to guys. You know, in terms of um, collectibles, are there characters you know, that you? Know, any anything that you make of that character is an automatic purchase for you? Is that Cap and Thor for you, or I'm not one of those collectors. Um, I I have favourite characters, and you'd think that I'd have a shelf just absolutely devoted to Cap and a shelf absolutely devoted to Thor, but um, it's actually not the case. Um, I, I literally only need three or four nice pieces of anything. And uh, and I'm happy. I don't need to get you know the 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 bobblehead and the the mighty mug and and every variation thereof. <laughs> um, no, I just I also think uh, I mentioned before that you know I'm I'm a comic book person and 
I a lot of my purchasing is actually back issues, filling in holes and things like that. Hmm. And so I, I made the conscious decision that as much as I'd love to collect, you know, everything Captain America that came out, um, I'd probably regret it in the years to come. And at the moment, that money uh, sort of goes into back issues instead. Fair enough. So as a toy and you know, statue collector, what's your kind of take on the industry at the moment? What do you think that, you know, the climate um, is like right now for people with our sort of interests? Well, there's certainly more choice than ever before. We've really seen the rise of companies like Kota Bukaya, uh and and the like come up with some really nice pieces. Um, you've got, I mean, the, it's almost to a point now where if you've got a favourite character, other than poor old Eli and Firestorm, um, <laughs> you know, you, you're almost uh, guaranteed to get something eventually from one of these companies. And I'd like to think that they are actually competing, that they are trying to outdo each other. I think Kota Bukaya in particular with their light-up bases and Iron Man with his, his light-up sort of um, repulses and that sort of thing is, is taking it to the next level. Um, I think Sideshow doing their own thing, especially with the swap-out sort of heads and arms and things like that. And so, you know, I just hope that, that that keeps going and that basically, you know, if these guys go to war trying to produce better and better pieces, that ultimately, you know, we'll be the um, the winners. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good point. Can, can you see anything that would, you know, cause you to to stop? You know, is it, do, do do you see an end point? Do you see a point where that'll be it for you, or can you see anything that would cause you to to finish up collecting what you're collecting? Uh, I do get frustrated. I get extremely frustrated with character choices sometimes. Uh, I think the classic example was the cover girls of the DC Universe. Uh, I was loving that line. They were a scale that was affordable. Uh, I think most of them retail. This is, for this is a DC Direct statue line. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they're about 100 US dollars each, and with the current exchange rate, they were working out to be very reasonable. Mm. And I was just loving the line. I think Black Canary is just gorgeous um in fact you know the whole line even batgirl i really do i know that's a story for another time but um <laughs> but then with the recent announcement of you know switching to to dc new universe uh and they're basically i think the next figure that was announced was actually wonder woman in her new costume hmm. and that just really just <laughs> gets on my goat to put it politely um i mean I, I think Wonder Woman, who was the first figure from that series, is just perfect. She's gorgeous. She's um, the epitome of Adam Hughes. She's the epitome of strength and sexiness. And now we're getting another Wonder Woman. That's a third Wonder Woman. So, you know, DC Direct, you know, where's my Huntress? Where's my Vixen? Where's my Jade? Um, so, look, I just see that as, okay, fine. You uh, obviously don't want my money anymore, so I'll move on to something else. Hmm. I guess, you know, too, you said before, you're not the kind of person that needs multiple versions of every character. So that's a, maybe a bigger issue for you than it would be for some other people. Yeah, I think once you've done it once and you've done it well, uh, I don't need any variation. Uh, I don't need multiple Batman figures or Wolverine figures. If you do one nice figure, that's it for me. Um, the other thing that, that I find a little bit frustrating is, I guess, the price increases. Um, it's not just the price increases of the figures. It's an increase in things like shipping from the US. And, you know, slowly but surely these prices are creeping up. And companies like Sideshow are helping to offset that by offering their payment plans. But it gets to a point where you, you sort of stop and you think, you know, really, $350 for that figure? Um Gosh, I don't know. And uh, I, I am a Wolverine fan. Uh, I, I, you know, I was a Wolverine fan before it was cool to be a Wolverine fan. And I think it's probably his his overwhelming success that's sort of driven me away from that character a little bit. But mm -hmm. I was looking at the legendary scale figure from Sideshow, and it's just magnificent. It's um, it, it's pretty much perfect, and it's two thousand dollars. And all I could think of was $2,000, $2,000. That's, I mean, you know, if you were considering that as a fan, you could go and buy a, you know, an X-Men number one <laughs> for yeah. $2,000. Right. 
Um, and it's not the sort of thing that you can easily display. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to have a dead... I mean, you know, I can just imagine talking to Joe and explaining how it was going to go in the middle of the coffee table, but, um, uh, you know, or the dining table. And I just thought, wow, $2,000 for a statue that's that's kind of two, two feet tall. Um, you'd have to be pretty dedicated. And I honestly think that that's the sort of thing that, you know, 80% of the run of that statue will go into the hands of investors. Hmm. I, I, I see those things too as, you know, things that for those people that want everything of a character. Yeah. Like if, you know, if you've, if, if you've got every action figure statue that you can imagine of Wolverine, you know, it's the kind of thing that you might then think, right, well, you know, this is the kind of cap off of my collection, but a bit harder to come at for, you know, people like us who have pretty wide tastes as it is. Yeah, and look, if that had been a Captain America and it was as flawless as the the premium format uh, figure, um, you know, I'd probably have to have a serious conversation with my beloved and <laughs> determine whether I could afford to, to put aside $100 a month for the next 20 months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you never know what the payment plans will be like. Oh yes, that's right. So, <laughs> so just um, you know, starting to to bring this to a close. When you think about your collection, just off the top of your head, think about just an action figure. What if you had to choose a favorite? Yeah, what what would that be? Oh wow! Uh, look, um, this is going to sound really really biased, but um, if I could keep one action figure, it'd probably be my custom gladiator figure. <laughs> it was uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> I it couldn't have been better. I I mean I can see some little things that I'd love to touch up one day, but um that was my first competition uh entry figure and I just I just thought he looked completely badass and uh yeah, I'd love to keep that figure. What about at the the statue level? If you just had, you know, your favorite what is it? Wow, statue. Um, I would probably have to go with the Adam Hughes Sideshow Mary Jane statue. Um, many of you have probably seen me rant about my uh, my my dislike of Joker Seder because he was the uh, man behind getting rid of uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker's marriage. Hmm. Um, I've been reading Spidey for a long, long time, and I actually had the opposite effect. Uh, He decided that Peter Parker, being the geek, shouldn't be married to a supermodel, but I actually always saw it as the opposite and thought, you know, he's a good guy and he deserves good things, and so to to be married to someone like Mary Jane was a a just reward for being a good person. And um, I just love Mary Jane, and that statue is just the epitome of Mary Jane. The, the I don't know if people know the statue I'm speaking of. Mm, it's the one mm. where she's bending over, lifting um, the Spidey costume out of the washing. And, you know, she's she's sexy as hell. And, uh, yeah, I just love her. That's fantastic. And, and thinking beyond your your superhero collection, you know, what, what else have you got in your collection? Anything else that kind of doesn't fit the the genre but is, you know, something that you you love? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've got sort of quite a few statues that aren't superhero-related, but uh, probably the two that stand out the most, they're sitting on my entertainment unit, sort of on next to my TV, and that is I've got the life-size Hellboy statue that was um, released by Sideshow some time ago, and next to that I've actually got a, a full-size Terminator T-800 endoskull, <laughs> the, the chrome skull with the light-up eyes that... Um, yeah, uh, my wife just loves that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I've got look. I've got quite a few sort of graphic novels and things like that. But I've also over the years collected things like the the complete, um, the complete Far Side, and um, the one that I truly love is the complete Calvin and Hobbes. Um, oh, I love Calvin and Hobbes. That's yeah, fantastic. I, Calvin and Hobbes to me is the the definitive kind of comic strip it's it's sort of got all the um i guess all the respect to walt kelly's pogo but 
You know, it's it's the sort of thing that when I read it, I actually get banished from the room because I laugh so much. <laughs> um, you know, Joe will be watching TV and I'll just be laughing and I'm, she'll say, you know, are you right there? And I'll say, look, you just have to read this one. And she's like, no, you've said that like 20 times. <laughs> you know, it's like, just why don't you go and read in the other room? So I always get banished because I'm just, I just find it hysterical. <laughs> well, Ben, you have done a fantastic job of being our guinea pig for this. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, yes. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm obviously biased. I think that um, you're a pretty awesome person to get to know, and I hope that um, people out there have felt like they've had a bit of an insight, not just to who you are as a a collector and a, a comic book fan, but also who you are as a person as well. And I'm really appreciative of the time that you've given Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, hey, by all means, jump on the uh, AFD forum and say hello. Absolutely. We'll come back in just one moment with just a, a few little wrapping up bits, in, including how you might be able to tell us what you thought about this little chat. Well, that brings us to the end of our very first AFB Q&A. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Ben as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Uh, this is part of the Action Figure Blues podcast, and you can find all of our episodes, be they our normal episodes or our Q&A episodes, by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab, or you can also subscribe at iTunes. If you do go to iTunes, please take time to leave us a positive rating and review. Now, while you're at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and the articles that are there and maybe visit some of the sponsors of the site like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Big Bad Toy Store, and PopCulture.com. They all help keep the site running and the lights on. Um, ben and I can be found also at the Action Figure Blues Forum at AFBforum.com. And when we're there, I post as Andy. And Ben, who do you post as? I post as Fish Milkshake. Ah. And we didn't actually get into the meaning of that. I know we've asked you to explain it on the regular podcast, but I should just ask you in case people are hearing you for the first time, where where did that come from? Uh, I think it's one of those colloquialisms or how, whatever you call them um, that's typical to Australia. Uh, years ago when I was at uni and on a very, very hot day and I was leaving the computing labs because I studied IT and I just happened to say uh, I'm off like a fish milkshake in the summer sun and uh, this one fellow just went totally green and I said, are you okay? And he said, I just can't think of anything more revolting than that because I'm lactose intolerant and allergic to fish. <laughs> And so I, I used to just sort of mock him a little bit after that every time I saw him. And so um, I can remember sort of uh, the first time I really got online and I needed a username and I just decided, oh, well, I'll use Fish Milkshake. And then after that, every time I needed a username, I thought, oh, well, I might as well just use Fish Milkshake. So I think I've been using it for about 15 years now. That is that is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, look, we, we would love to hear from you with any comments that you have about this new format for our, our spinoff series um, or perhaps you know other questions that you'd like us to ask people or other people that you would like us to interview. Whatever you want to say to us, you can say say it by emailing podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and we would love to hear from you. You can also follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter at AFBlues, and you can like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook. We've done it. We've got the first AFB Q&A in the can. Ben, you are great. Thank you very much. My pleasure, and we will see you again soon. Bye, everybody. See you later.